Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Adequately Informed Podcast for Monday, May 10th, 2021. My name's Joe Hicks. And mine's Evan Kelly. And Evan Kelly, what are we here to do today? Well, Joe, today I think we're going to have a conversation. We are going to discuss the news of the day, the news of the world, and we are going to draw facts, opinions, interpretations from whatever source we may find them and attempt to do so as relatively free of bias and judgment as possible. We want to make sure that we are meeting our benchmark of being in good faith. And in doing so, we will hopefully be keeping ourselves and our listeners adequately informed. Yeah, you know, it's all about giving deference to ideas that are not your own, or at least trying to. Again, you know, like like Evan said, we don't we don't promise that we will. You know, there is no viewpoint from nowhere. Everybody has a viewpoint. But we try to acknowledge that we do have a viewpoint so that we can, like, work with it. I don't know. We're not on the ivory tower. We're not looking down on everybody. So, but, yeah. Hey, Evan. Yeah, Joe. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about cheerleading. Ooh. Interesting yeah, subject really. choice for Evan. <laughs> yeah. Aww. No, it's about free speech going, uh, a free speech case that's going to be held by the Supreme Court. Wow. Is... Evan, Evan taking something cool like cheerleading and turning it into speech. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> w- w- what am I if not a guy who's going to find the lamest application of any cool thing? <laughs> No, I think it's interesting. Let's hear about it. So the event that is being litigated happened a couple years ago. At the time, Brandy Levy was a 14-year-old cheerleader at her high school in Pennsylvania. And when she was going into her sophomore year, she did not make the varsity cheer squad. And she was pretty upset, and so... She posted on Snapchat messages that expressed her frustration, such as, you know, fuck cheerleading, fuck baseball, fuck everything. And this was posted to her account, of which there were about 250 followers. But this very intelligent girl, I guess, forgot that one of those 250 followers was the daughter of the cheerleading coach. And... This girl told her mother about what had been posted and took a screenshot. It was it got back to the school and Brandy was suspended from the cheerleading squad for the upcoming season, a full year suspension. However, her family appealed the suspension, arguing that the post that she made on Snapchat occurred away from school grounds and is protected by her free speech and has no right to be disciplined because it occurred away from the school and because she's protected by the First Amendment. And the courts have gone back and forth on it, and we have arrived at the place where the Supreme Court is going to hear this case and make a final ruling. So a lot of people are comparing this to the landmark case of the students in Iowa who wore black armbands to school to protest the Vietnam War. And 
The school claimed that this was disruptive, and so they warranted a suspension. However, the court ultimately decided that the students did not forfeit their right to freedom of speech just because they went to school, and that the armbands themselves were not inherently disruptive, and that this could not be a suspendable offense because it would deprive them of their right to an education for simply expressing their freedom of speech. So I, I think something that's come out is that a lot of prognosticators don't know which way the court is going to rule on this. And I certainly am not a legal expert, but I do think that logically there's a couple differences in this case and the landmark case that many are comparing it to. Number one, I would argue, is the degree of disruption. So wearing a an, an armband to protest the Vietnam War really shouldn't make a reasonable person be disrupted from their own educational environment. I think that even if you supported the war in Vietnam, seeing the mere existence of an opposing idea was not likely to disrupt you to the point where you could not access your education. However, in this case, I think a key difference is that the the young girl, Miss Levy, was posting messages that clearly expressed a frustration specifically with the cheerleading program. And I think it's entirely reasonable for a cheerleading squad to be concerned if one of its members is harboring a belief which was posted on Snapchat as fuck cheerleading. So I, yeah. I think that that's important to consider. Another thing that I want us to consider is the degree of punishment. So in the, the case of the Vietnam armbands, those students were suspended from school and denied their ability to access education simply based on the fact that they wanted to express a belief or an opinion that was unrelated to the school. However, Brandy Levy, as far as I can ascertain, was not disciplined by the school in any way for her speech other than being suspended from the cheerleading squad. And I don't think in this country we've established any right to a specific extracurricular activity. And maybe Joe can correct me on that if he's aware of something. But it doesn't seem like this... It seems like the punishment fits the crime. Even mm -hmm. if... Um, even if we are to say that, oh, it's just a Snapchat message, whatever, I think it's entirely reasonable that if you make disparaging marks about a team of which you are a part and the team no longer wants you to be affiliated with them, they have right. the right to express that. Um, so those are my kind of takeaways. The, the biggest thing that I think is being debated about in the public sphere is how much of a right do schools have to police activities and speech that are related to the school environment but occur outside of the school environment, over social media, over the internet, or even personal communication via cell phones. If a student on, you know, away from school property wants to express a belief that could be damaging or harmful to the school or, or engage in some activity that's damaging or harmful to the school community, does the school have a right to take disciplinary action for something that occurs 
away from school grounds. And that, I think, is probably going to be the most relevant implication for how the court rules. Mm -hmm. All right, Joe, I tossed a ton out there at you. Spit, spit some takes back at me, brother. Um, ah, yeah, there is a lot there because so, I mean, there is some sort of knee jerk reaction where you want to be like, oh, well, people should have the freedom of speech and, you know, be able to say whatever they want. But, you know, within the context of school, um, it's a very formative time. And, you know, school is where we try to teach our kids a lot about how to live in our society. Like, if anything, that's like one of the basic projects of school is like socializing the people with other people so that they learn how to accurately live in our society. And and school rules are a real uh, signifier of that. And there is curbed speech in school settings because and there's like a little bit extra because like these kids are learning how to interact in a society and you know, there almost needs to be a little bit stricter rules than would be in the kind of greater, greater society because they're mm -hmm. still learning. Like, you know, we, you know, as adults, we know to kind of how to like slyly flaunt social convention that's in an acceptable way because there's nuances to things, whereas kids are just learning and, you know, they, they don't know exactly so, like, on one end, it's like the school definitely has an interest in trying to correct bad forms of speech that kids do or harmful or stuff like that. And you could totally see a case where, like, I don't think a lot of people would have a lot of issues where two students, like, after school, even off property, you know, like, a couple students bully some other kid. Or, you know, say really mean things about them or, you know, just like in some context of like that where and then if it also like bleeds into school somehow, then you could see the school doing corrective actions on that um, because that would be like harmful to the school environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas like this one is it's interesting, like I, I definitely take your point where. Like it, 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 if you are wanting to be part of cheerleading, it's best not to say fuck cheerleading, <laughs> like, like just as a general thing. And like, you can, you know, people are perfectly free to talk bad about things, but that's like kind of a very explicit version of talking bad about it. Um, and also it, not even, just directed in a private conversation to a friend or something to vent frustration, but done in a way that was broadcasted to the world in a way that would undermine group cohesion and group morale. Yeah. Well, but then it's also an interesting, like, I think this is something that we come back to time and time again with social media and how we interact with it, where it's both a, like, intimate space where you feel like this is like your people and you know there's like some confidence in that and then also being a public space mm. like you know just like under so like let's say um let's say they had been at school and 
they were at the lunch table and this girl was like loudly saying like and fuck sports fuck the school fuck cheerleading and like the cheerleading coach was there to hear it like that like and if she got suspended for cheerleading for a year because of that i don't think anyone would bat an eye at that because it just makes sense like or you know you wouldn't walk up to your cheerleading coach and under the guise of free speech say fuck what you do but i want to be a part of it (laughs) and um so but then but then there's this layer of you know how much it you know outside of school and you know it wasn't like maybe it was disruptive to the group but like it it does the school have the same like is the punishment enough that that person is just kind of an outcast while in cheerleading if they still choose to pursue it or is the punishment making it that just so that they can't be part of it because like you said there is no constitutional right to participate in like certain school activities but it, it you know it's just it, it it dealt it gets into weird things you know when do you lose that um is this something that's you know someone is losing a meaningful part of their lives from and i would probably say not so much but it could be it's It's not a clean case. And I'm glad that you bring that up, Joe, because as this case has been litigated, you know, life moves on. The the girl, Brandy, has aged and it was her sophomore year that she was suspended. And her junior year, she tried out for cheer again and made the varsity team. So clearly, like, uh, they were able to repair the relationship. Right. (laughs) That's that's also just a weird thing. Yeah. this was like a similar thing when Roe v. Wade happened, like the woman had the baby. Yeah. So it, it was like, wait a minute, can we even go forward when this with this case? Because like it's no longer pressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it I mean, wow, I didn't know that part that <laughs> Yeah. Like they're litigating with the school over this, essentially, taking it all the way to the Supreme Court. But the peer-to-peer damages have been mended. Yeah, exactly. That is very weird. You know, I, I sometimes people like to say that people are so happy in this country when it's not really the case. But, like, it is definitely weird when you have a case where people have under, like, individual levels of justice have made amends but then on the legalistic version of justice are still at odds with each other yeah it's just yeah that's just odd but how old how how old is she now i think she just graduated so she's like just finishing up you know like 18 19 ish age It'd be funny if the Supreme Court was like, and as remedy, she is to be allowed to participate on the JV cheerleading <laughs> squad. And she's but, like, well, I'm in college now, but I'll come I'll drive back. Yeah. But so so this is why this case is tricky. I'm I'm almost surprised that the Supreme Court took this case up because Supreme Court 
they only hear about like like 80 to 90 cases a year and some of them they like have to hear because they have what's called original jurisdiction which is their you know their const you know constitutional prescribed right to hear cases so that's like things between the states cases yeah. brought by attorneys general you there, know, there stuff would be like no that. lower court equipped to handle that case right but then there's all these other cases um that um come to them that come to their di- jurisdiction that they were granted during well they made for themselves for marbury versus madison and you know they they choose to take up these cases in order to like if they a lot of times they take it up if they have a feeling that there's some vagary in the law that they have a clear path to remedy and sometimes it's contentious so there'll be you know the two sides of something and they're like you know duking to you know be the one on top who ends up being the victor or you know sometimes there's unanimous you know uh agreement on what to be done about this ambiguity or you know how this is you know something is going on in this world whereas this one it's hard to say how they're gonna rule because there is no like like even if you know they choose one side or the other of this they have to hand down a ruling that would have legalistic and constitutional standing and repercussions and like in a way create new guidance on how law and society work together and there isn't a real clear-cut vision of how that would happen in this case Mm -hmm. because like there is like they wouldn't rule that like all of someone a student's speech can be monitored by a school and like can be punished for it but then they would also wouldn't say that all speech that students make that are not at school is just free speech and the school can do nothing about it Mm -hmm. so it's it's just kind of like what are they going to do about that and apparently in oral arguments which have happened the Supreme Court justices were looking for an off ramp um, <laughs> like they were fishing the lawyers, like trying to find some like because sometimes these cases come up and they can make a ruling that is very narrow so that mm-hmm. it's really only applicable to this cer- certain circumstance. Like, yeah, yeah. Explain explain a narrow ruling, because that's something that came up in a case a while ago. And I was completely like, what, duh, what does that mean? Yeah. So a narrow ruling, it means that the Supreme Court isn't doing all the big kind of broad legal strokes. Um, I guess it would probably be easier to um, do a Supreme Court case that is not a narrow ruling. So Hodges v. Obergefell, which is the Supreme Court case that essentially legalized gay marriage across the uh, country was a very broad ruling. It, you know, once that ruling was handed down, that that ruling applied to everybody in the United States and every case of that type that would come before it 
if it was theoretically litigated and would be, you know, there would be no question on how it ruled. You know, this is like the Kim. Yeah, there was precedent. So if Kim Davis, a Kentucky, you know, county clerk didn't want to issue marriage licenses to gay couples, then it was very clear that she had no constitutional standing for that. It was against the rules as, you know, uh, signified by Hodges v. Obergefell. Whereas if we take another case from the um, kind of from the gay rights lineage, I want to say there was a whole bunch of stuff that was litigated between like the 80s and like the early 2010s like it's kind of fallen off because since Obergefell it's kind of like nobody's been really wanting to touch it it's very weird like a social movement that got you know like one and then like it hasn't been litigated um to death afterwards which is just weird but I mean good it's a good weird but there was another uh Supreme Court case and you know if this will all kind of sound familiar and it was um Oh, I think it was like the masterpiece cake shop or something case. And this is the this is the Supreme Court case where the baker refused to make a cake for a gay wedding or a gay, you know, uh, yeah, a gay wedding. And because, you know, citing their religious liberty and, you know, people talk about it like it was this big ruling or anything. And, you know, I, I don't think many people would. You know, they remember the controversy, but they don't remember the ruling because the Supreme Court ended up ruling with Masterpiece Cake Shop, not because on the grounds that they had to, you know, um, that they had a religious liberty to not uh, sell cakes to each other, uh, to gay people, but there was a technicality within how they were specifically treated within Colorado law that um was unfair to them so it was ruled that in that one specific case that because of a violation of a colorado law at the time they were to win the case but they didn't choose to say you know all bakeries have the right to refuse service to gay people which would have been a wide, you know, far-reaching ruling, but they instead ruled narrowly that, you know, just what this in this one instance happened only applies to this one person, this one case, and isn't broadly applicable. That was a really great explanation of that. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. I, I I hope it was it was tractable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it very succinct and yeah the examples were good i you know just i, I well thank you we, when people do a good job you got to tell them so that was a very yeah. good job joe so so <laughs> <laughs> so what we're looking at here with this case with the cheerleader in the high school is that it's most certainly going to be a narrow ruling um having to do with the specifics of this case and they aren't going to rule something like I said earlier, where like all speech off of school campus is protected first amendment speech or anything like that, or it could be, um, you never know, but I just don't think the votes on the Supreme court are there for something like that. And that's, you know, again, those big, 
those big sweeping rulings are often like an ideological project that people have brewing. Like they just don't come out of nowhere. And there, I don't see any big ideological project brewing for this um, specifically. I mean, I guess there is some in the conservative world, there is the kind of like free speech on college campuses, but this is a high school off campus speech problem. Like, I don't know. I, d I don't know if there's a culture war over this. So it's interesting to say the least. Um, yeah. So this case has really piqued my interest and I think it's just talking it out here that I've kind of revealed why to myself. And it's because I actually kind of went through a very similar scenario personally. So many of you likely know that I coach speech and debate and I have done so for a long time for a number of institutions. So I don't feel the need to reveal the name of the school and certainly not the name of the people involved, but there was an incident where a student felt that they were being treated unfairly by a coach and tweeted about it and other students were liking it and, and joining in and it got back to the coach in question and the students who were involved were reprimanded they were suspended for a tournament again no school consequences but because they were making disparaging marks about the team and about the coach it was determined that there needed to be some sort of consequence for it and we did not get sued <laughs> and right. everything ended up okay. So I think that's why I'm just kind of personally rooting for the school here because like Joe was saying, kids kids uh they need to learn sometimes. And if the consequence fits the crime and doesn't deprive them of an education or any other thing that they're constitutionally entitled to, I think the punishment should be enacted and I guess we'll see what we get. Yeah. Because what, what if Joe, what if the court comes down the other way and they're like, so as a, as a penalty, she has to go back to high school and can't be on the cheerleading squad. for a year. <laughs> <laughs> She Replay didn't adequately serve the year. punishment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but it, it it is interesting. And this also like hits on something that I feel like is a kind of topic of modern conversation that we don't talk about explicitly, but is kind of always there is that it seems like we're we're tr always trying to find the line where what do we like give children full freedom and like explicit control and autonomy over themselves. And at what level do you like push them in a certain direction and have rules and consequences for things? And, and this, this seems definitely kind of like within that lineage where it's like, yeah, do we just let kids, kind of say what they w want about anything. And because there's like a weird, like the state versus, you know, an individual thing going on. Like, so if this would have been a private school, there would be no bones about this. Like 
you know, if you probably go not, to, yeah. yeah, if you go to a private institution, like maybe if you wanted to sue about, well, one, you could just not go to that private school anymore and find someone else, or you could make a donation or like, there's different ways to work things out with this like that when it's a private institution, but like, you know, you wouldn't have any grounds to go to the Supreme court with this. Whereas since it's a public school, there is some ground because the school acts as the state in this. And, you know, it's generally held that, you know, the state has to uphold constitutional principles. But Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's like, what do we, you know, is it within bounds to force certain kids to do things that they don't want if it better their lives and to what degree? You know, there's I feel like there's a lot of questions about that. But then again, it just kind of seems like it's never kind of explicitly talked about in that way. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, oh, is this thing good or bad for them? And blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it's and and I don't even have a way forward with that conversation, (laughs) but it's just something I have observed. Um, So, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Hopefully you have found it interesting. I clearly am very intrigued by this whole case. Um, but Joe, did you have any any more thoughts or was that your your I think I think up? I got I, I think I drained the tank tank on that. All right, great. Uh, well, in that case, what do you want to talk about? And ladies and gentlemen, I genuinely don't know. This is a true surprise to me. I don't know if I want to talk about anything either, you know? You know, maybe I should go on a maybe I should go on a screed about not knowing what I want to talk about, because, you know, so we've this is episode 59 of Adequately Informed, and we've done a lot of talking about a lot of things. And we have generally done this show once a week for however long. I mean, there were definitely those times where they we weren't doing a show every week. Um, because mostly because my life had a lot of stuff going on. But then also, you know, like, I don't know, there was the election. Um, it seemed like our constitutional republic was going to, you know, just kind of break. Um, yeah, that so, whole thing. Yeah, remember that? That was, like, lighthearted <laughs> all that <laughs> shit. Um, but we... You know, we've come here and talk and we talk anywhere between, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes. And man, it is actually kind of hard to come up with new things to talk about every week. Like, you know, to do like even a book report about it. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, attentive listeners who have been here for a long time, we've even changed the format from, you know, it used to be we had three subjects or even four, four subjects. Yeah, with those Yeah, episodes. it was... It was Evan, then Joe, then main segment, and then end segment. And we have drastically cut that down, sometimes <laughs> just doing one segment. And kind of today, we're doing one and a half segments because I'm just kind of venting. But, <laughs> but, but through this lens of having to come up with stuff to talk about, there is like an admiration for people who really do this professionally and 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 especially for people who have like narrower scopes than we do like 
how do you come up with stuff to talk about on a weekly basis? Like, how do you? And, you know, I, I think a lot about Rush Limbaugh, who has now passed, but that dude really went on the air for like three to four hours every day. Every day. That's why he said so much insane shit. <laughs> because how do you fill up that time? Like, how do you just get on the radio and just talk and talk and talk? And I'm someone who likes to talk. But at some point, you lose, you know, you run out of the stuff that's to say that's grounded in reality. <laughs> and you just kind of do whatever. You know, that's why a lot of talk radio is just kind of so derivative because I don't know. They got like four hours in the morning to fill up. What are they going to talk about? I guess they'll talk about whatever celebrity is going on. People like that. And it's easily digestible in the 20 minutes. But, you know, from when they show up at work and they have to go on the air, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting having like being in this kind of producer role trying to come up with things to talk about. And I've definitely thought about things to try and talk about. You know, I, at one point I was like, maybe I'll talk about small businesses, but I think I've kind of talked about that. Like the last two weeks, then it's like, I kind of want to, you know, I thought about maybe talking about Dogecoin, but I really only want to talk about it because I was making money at it. And it feels like the bubble's going to burst. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I don't want to be the crypto guy who just talks about cryptocurrency, but I guess I've turned into that guy. Also, in learning and having this experience where to listeners, Dogecoin is a um, is a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin that started not too long after Bitcoin, but it was just strictly a joke. It was a meme. It was nothing, you know. And for the most of its life was worth nothing. But in the last couple of months, for whatever reason, it's become worth a little bit more nothing and or a little bit more than nothing. So going from like two tenths of a cent to, um, you know, it's right around 70 cents now. Who knows? And it was like a wild ride. I bought some and I had it. I got to watch the price go up. And it's like I learned from that. That anytime someone is like in politics or a policymaking role and they have, you know, you find out they have investments in the field that they're making decisions about and they go, oh, these investments don't, you know, affect how I, you know, the policies that I choose. Bullshit. <laughs> like, like. I don't even believe in the like the utopian vision of cryptocurrency, but like I was ready to shill out for it <laughs> if it meant that the price, you know, the 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 money line went higher. Like, yeah, maybe like, this is the conversation. Maybe this is people are biased by things. You know, it's kind of crazy. I get why. Like stockbrokers get all caught up in, you know, the minutia of whatever it is they're investing in because you want that thing to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like financial incentives guide human behavior. Yeah. It's like if if you're if you plow a fuck ton of money into Target, you're not going to just start bad mouthing Target. Like, why would you do that? 
You know, every yeah. sale why, is valuable. Why would you say fuck Target when you want to be on the Target cheerleading Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> I mean, hell, that's something very real. Don't say fuck Target and then apply to go work at Target. <laughs> They're not going to hire you. Um, but yeah, it, the financial incentives, especially there's something different about finance. Like if you like, it's like, if you work at target, I mean, you kind of, I would think you would want target to be doing well so you can keep having your job, but like target doing more or less well, as long as it's open, it's all kind of the same to you. Like if you don't get any sort of bonus or anything like that, it's all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas like as a financial investor, like you, you had to first earn that money and then you put that money out in the world where there is risk that you could, it could turn into nothing. And then you watch that line go up. Now I'm not saying this as a defense of like the way you know people on wall street or whatever act and talk about things but it's like it's just almost like a recognition of where that comes from Mm -hmm. like i've given you my money in hopes that i will make money but i also accept that i may not and that also happens a lot so it's just interesting it's interesting. I guess I did know why what I what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you didn't know how to get there, but that's okay. We got yeah. there. Yeah. I used oh man, I used this one opportunity up to do this shtick <laughs> <laughs> to talk myself into my topic. But yeah, it's interesting. You could always do it again. I think diminishing returns would set in real quick, but you could yeah. do it. I'll do it in another 100 episodes, or another 59 episodes. Episode 108. Mark it on your calendars, folks. Yeah. No, 118. Wow. I... Oh! Yep, I, I, I'm I, out. I've lost the, the not make a math mistake game, and I salute all those <laughs> who are still alive in the game. <laughs> 23 26 years running never missed a math problem <laughs> joe hicks oh champion my my math grades would very much beg to differ <laughs> well in certain classes in certain classes man math man isn't it crazy we did calculus yeah, I know. I used to know how to do calculus. I can. It's unfathomable. Man, I really should have taken stats in high school instead of calculus. Like, well, they they like yanked stats away from us, though. Yeah, they did. So we had yeah. to take it as a junior, or we were screwed, and we didn't know that yet. So you and me didn't take it. <laughs> right? Yeah, because we were taking AP Calc that year. <laughs> I mean, some people did both, but. Ugh, not you and man. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not you and I. Yeah. Well, that's just so weird. Like, calc is like this this math that 
isn't very broadly applicable but like it's in the schools and then it's also like in a lot of college curriculums i guess some of the basic understandings of calculus are like helpful but i mean i know i hate to play the do i ever use this game but like calculus seems like a high bar for like very very low usage Mm. like like algebra yeah, you may not use it a ton, but like kind of the basic concepts are something that can be valuable like a few times out of your life. I don't but, know. I think algebra, like anytime you want to try to work out any problem that involves numbers in your regular life, like you're going to have to use some algebra. I, I don't know. Right. I think algebra is like yeah. really, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, some people see it as not applicable, but I think the degree of non-applicability is vastly uh, lesser than than it is for calculus. Mm-hmm. But then also we were like the AP kids. So we, you know, not a, a ton of students were having calculus. Well, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. We were on a different track. We weren't trying to take classes necessarily that would help us get ahead in life just kind of day-to-day life we were explicitly tailoring our own education to prepare us in case we wanted to enter into an exclusively mathematics-based field going forward into college to have that foundation so yeah yeah i think if you're just if you're just some guy as we all are if, yeah. but if you're just some guy who doesn't Except really sometimes plan when on, we transcend some guidum. one shining moment in our lives we can be a name Uh uh-huh and that name is when we finish ap calculus yeah and you get the pizza party the pizza party it's all i assume that's universal i assume every high school is within walking distance of a pizza hut and every ap cal class goes to the pizza hut buffet when they finish their ap test I, i don't think that was specific to us i think that's just what you do yeah that's Hoops amongst us hasn't. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're all born, we all die, and in the middle, we all do the Pizza Hut buffet. Yeah. But then I, I feel like this almost gets back to the, like, what do we force kids to do things? Like, it almost just felt like that was a bridge, like... A bridge excessive. too far. Like not too far, just excessive. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm mixing metaphors and language here, but like it just felt like I understand pushing kids academically, but like, I don't know, just there's something about me that sees the modern landscape of like academics, a- a- academia and all that type where it's like maybe not calculus but maybe stats i feel like stats is more broadly applicable but then it again you know that's coming from a guy who's really into the social sciences but then also like calculus like i had to take through calculus three for my economics degree so i don't i don't know i don't know (laughs) how much math do we teach these kids and And are they these kids when they're 22 year old economics almost yeah. degree holders <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because at that point that's not a mandate that's that's what you wanted to do <laughs> yeah yeah the, yeah there choice. Was a choice to do that <laughs> yeah but i don't know it's just uh it's interesting 
But then also like this crazy realization, which is weird that it's even a realization. All of schooling is political, like inherently, and it's always Mm -hmm. ever changing. Like there is no just the education because that's like comes from a cultural political standpoint of what Mm -hmm. the fuck do you teach people? Yeah. What, what do children need to know depends on your philosophical beliefs about the purpose of school and also the qualities that you desire in a person who has gone through that definition of school. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Like, you know, I think that's where we get so much tension about, the 1619 project you know that whole thing mm-hmm. where it, it is a an optional curriculum developed by uh, some group to recenter united states social studies education around the concept of slavery and the impact that that has had on the united states and so mitch mcconnell is apoplectic about it even though it's not good work it's not even embraced by any you know schools necessarily that haven't wanted it um because it is political and what we teach our kids is political there is certainly a great case to be made that children should be aware of that history and understand that full context but that's not a given unless we collectively decide that it should be. yeah well that's the the thing i think This is something I've said before, but I think this is just more a feature of being like part of the dominant political class, at least in the society, which is like white men, where Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, (laughs) within our colleagues and, you know, workings in society, there is this often a feeling that the history is apolitical, like it just happened and it is the way it is because it was. And that was just like the consequences of like everybody being good faith and, you know, and, and then like the, the, the two pillars of the history being apolitical and then the arc of hid- history bends towards justice. Like mm-hmm. those two come together and it kind of like sanitizes history and for a lot of people, they they have this understanding of the apolitical history and they think that the history that they were taught or as they understood it was the history and that people are coming along to politicize it. Whereas the history that we're all taught is in part a politicization. It was just like a mainstream version that was a lot less contentious Mm -hmm. and that's and that's what the 1619 project is is just like making it contentious which i haven't read it i may have read one of the essays in it um you know it's just i mean from my understanding it's really just an acknowledgement that race has a greater role in american history than we like to generally believe it did um and you know just kind of shaping the you know lens at which you look at that history which i generally agree with mm-hmm. so and but then you know that's against the backdrop of the way that we were taught where like 
it was like when I feel like I learned American history, it was almost like, a, yeah, slavery and racism was bad, but it's something that we've like continuously gotten better at. So it's OK. Mm hmm. So you can just kind of forget all that other stuff or not like <laughs> dwell or not not dwell on it like it's something we still have to deal with. So I don't know. It's just interesting. Politics, everything is political. Every and when you find that out, it's like, oh, damn, everything's <laughs> political. Ah, oh, Even my breakfast cereal. It is. It is. It can be. Count Chocula? Come on. He he upholds monarchic systems globally. Oh, man. I, I thought he was, you know, Count Chocula. He's a communist central planner, you know? He's deciding well, how many children's shoes are being made. Well, the, the political battle is over uh, how we interpret Count Chocula. And I think we should throw down. <laughs> let's get an expert. Let's, let's get, uh, you know... Um, Tony the Tiger on here to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Tony, in your brushes up with Count Chocula, wh- what what's your read on the guy? <laughs> <laughs> nah, to- Tony would just shill Frosted Flakes. He wouldn't even answer. See, Tony seems like the kind of guy where like you could maybe trick him into one of these interviews, but he would like clam up and just exit the interview because <laughs> like he definitely has thoughts on it but he has a you know he believes his role is to be non-political and to just sell <laughs> breakfast cereal yeah republicans he doesn't want... buy cereal too yeah and, and he, you to know, paraphrase he paraphrase want... michael jordan yeah yeah he doesn't want to buy you know he doesn't want to make it an issue he doesn't want to make his loyal customers feel bad for eating frosted flakes <laughs> Wow, we have gone deep down the rabbit hole on this political cereal mascot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we need to go further. <laughs> All right, so then uh, do you think that the Honey Nut Cheerio Bee voted for Trump in 2016? Why or why not? Oh, my gosh. The the Honeycomb <laughs> Bee or the Honey Nut Cheerio The bee? Honey Nut Cheerio Bee. Oh, man. Be happy. Be healthy. That guy. You know, this public figure who's real. You see, I, I could I could maybe see it, you know, in 2016. But then he switched I, back to Biden. Yeah, I think I he seems like a Trump to Biden voter. You know, I think, yeah, you know, what? the Honey Nut Cheerios B was a two time Obama voter, Trump, then Biden voter. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, had nothing to do with gender. He just didn't trust uh, Hillary. Yeah, but there was also about something about him. You know, maybe it was gendered how he was going to shake things up. And, you know, we needed a change. And, you know, like, you know, the the Honey Nut Cheerio bee, you know, he seems like a guy who, you know, likes to talk about agency in one, pe- you know, one's life. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, as much as we we scoff at it, Trump was an image of taking agency over something, uh, whether rightly or wrongly or justified or really, not. He was really sick of the Lucky Charms Leprechauns coexist bumper sticker. He wanted to oh, stick yeah. it to him. Oh, yeah. 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 Lucky Charms guy. I mean, die hard IRA supporter, but otherwise <laughs> like an eco-socialist. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, you got you got me because you're so right. <laughs> like, like it, like is ready to back a a terrorist group, but then is also like just outside of that context, like an eco socialist. Let's get along. Like flirts with anarchism, you know. <laughs> It's like uh, the Futurama episode where Leela's meeting with an environmentalist group and they're meeting some opposition and Leela says, oh, I just want to kick those people's asses. And then the leader of the environmentalist group says, now, Leela, those people's asses are living things, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Lucky Charms leprechaun. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. Except in the reverse. (laughs) Um... Yeah. Oh man. Maybe this is the big project. What are all the serial mascots? Their politics. <laughs> who's a, who's another good? Oh man, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. They're. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what they would be. You know, I don't know if they all have distinctive. You know what? I think they're independent voters. Um. You know. Oh, they're the three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the three of them. Yeah. <laughs> I just got your joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't see them having any like, you know, where where Tony the Tiger is political, but he tries to put up the front that he is non-political. I think I think Snap, Crackle and Pop are truly like the disinterested class. Yeah. Like like they don't really get what it's all about. But they like still vote because of some sort of civic duty. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we can extend it beyond cereal for a second, I, I think Snap, Crackle, and Pop will probably vote the way that the EL Fudge and the Keebler Elves vote. You know, those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that those guys are generally pretty pro-labor, but um, are more socially conservative otherwise. Yeah. They're susceptible to kind of swings. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Like, like in different eras, they were a pretty stable, you know, voting block. But like, like Joe Manchin is their ideal politician. He's like kind of democratic, but still very conservative in many ways. A lot of deference, you know, a lot of deference to process. I think, yeah. I, I think Snap, Crackle, and Pop are, they're the real types to say both parties are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's not even about the individual issues. It's more about process, you know? Yeah. They, if they, they ever they bring really, it up, they, they, they don't identify, know much. Yeah. They identify more with libertarian ideas, but they don't want, they, they know that that would be throwing their vote away. So maybe, I mean, I, I also, I mean, I still want to think that they're disinterested, so maybe they don't have as complex. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say they don't necessarily, they, they wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian. Yeah. They wouldn't party, articulate but, it when the New York times reporter comes yes. to their diner in Ohio, you yes. know? Okay. Yeah. I think we're really getting somewhere with this. Yeah. I hope I, are you writing this down? I'm, I'm not <laughs> writing this down. I'm recording it. <laughs> Wait, real? Should I be recording my end? Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> what a twist that would be. It's gonna happen someday. I'm gonna forget. But okay. But where does the cinnamon from Apple Jacks? I think come he's from? a non. I think he's a non-voting felon. Yeah. Yeah. That that guy seems see that. like he's done some shit. I don't trust him. 
Yeah, you know, he's pretty up, you know, I think it was a minor felony, you know. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't serving like a ton of time, but it was still a felony, you know. Like a three strikes thing, like he just got screwed over. I mean, it could be that or like maybe like some drug charges that we would no longer see as like really felon uh is there a felonious ver yeah, of a yeah. felony? Yeah. Yeah. Um something like that where you know we can so see like him he, as, he, it's politically realistic that he could get his record expunged in, in the yeah, coming years yeah okay. yeah yeah where where it's maybe seen what he would what he did or you know the circumstances that led to it you know he is a felon but um you know is generally accepted by people and you know people wouldn't guess that he was a felon Hmm. okay yeah yeah that's how i see the cinnamon <laughs> this is just great projection of all the stuff we know like yeah. trying to mold it into mascots <laughs> i mean um, all i'm saying is there there's a great um animated miniseries here yeah if our producer friends and our our producer fans want to want to give us a ring or or even just like i don't know some viral image that goes on the internet <laughs> i don't know like uh the tricks rabbit wearing a shirt that says don't tread on me oh my god Ooh, the tricks rabbit that's a complicated one you i know, know he, right he has very mixed energy you know <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't quite fit into the categories like i feel like he's the like, you know, he says he, we you know, wearing a don't tread on me shirt, but like, he seems like the kind of guy who would wear that, but not really know what it meant. <laughs> He's just like, like, yeah, it's about freedom. And then it's like, I, there's a little bit more being prescribed there than you, yeah. you, you, you really seem to understand, but you know, you're just, you're just some guy and you're just going at it. Yeah, just some guy trying to make his way through the world. He, he, you know, his 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 college friends told him that he should care more, so he's trying. Well, no, his friends who went to college. I think that's <laughs> that was the idea I was trying to convey. I didn't phrase it yeah, like that, yeah. but that's the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, his friends who went to college, you know, ha, you know, like, hey, man, but like, yeah, he he he. In his politics, he he exudes just some guy energy and the kind of like carefree, just duding on level. But like, you know, his <laughs> people around him urge it to take it more seriously, and he just kind of gets flustered by it. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, guys, it, this isn't important. <laughs> <laughs> What's important is the trick cereal. Yeah, yeah. Like he's all about trick cereal. But he's all you know. He's got he's a lot of time that he could spend like reading the news has to be devoted to scheming on how to steal the cereal from children. Well, yeah, I, I think I mean it's not even just his day job. Like this is his hobby as well. Like he's yeah, one no, of those he people, loves it. It's his life. Yeah, he he's one of those few people where you know his work is his life, and he can't turn it know, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't turn it off, and he doesn't want to turn it off. Like, yeah, and so like he's divorced, like it's ruined his relationships. Yeah, this this adds to his just some guy energy, you know <laughs> the the kind of 
Like, I feel like he w- maybe wears Oakley shades or like similar to them, you know, kind of like trying to get off like a dude bro vibe, but like isn't really that. But he doesn't know like any other way to present himself. So like like pretty fly for a white guy. Yeah. Yeah. But that isn't him, you know, like. I don't know. That's just what he wants to, he, he, he has mistaken that for the image of a real cool person and is trying to project that. I think he, he's someone who doesn't know himself very well. Like all he knows is he wants trick cereal, (laughs) but, but like, that is his raison d'etre, but, but like besides wanting that he hasn't put much thought into anything else. So he is just kind of an amorphous blob of the culture around him. Where he just kind of absorbs it and doesn't, like, act within it. And aren't we all guilty of being a little bit like the Trix Rabbit sometimes? <laughs> you know, you gotta watch out for your friends when they're becoming the Trix Rabbit. <laughs> this this has been a very special episode of Adequately Informed. Yeah, I am... <laughs> where we became a comedy podcast. <laughs> Oh, with without even realizing it. Yeah, yeah, we just vented for the last half hour. <laughs> but this is a, I don't know, it's just a fun little brain twe- teaser. Like, what are the politics of all the serial mascots? I'm enjoying it. I guess we'll see what the listeners say. Uh, yeah, I hope say. I hope you like it. I I I I, I had. Anticipate like one person being like, fuck this. <laughs> I come for high minded analysis and debate. This yeah. is not within the context of what I want it to be. Hey, hey, this is adequately informed to the two top buttons unbuttoned. This isn't just one button unbuttoned. This is two. We've, we've gotten a whole magnitude of difference crazier. Yeah, we have let loose. We're about to order another margarita. Oh. And on that note, I think I need to go and order another margarita. <laughs> yeah, we've been drinking or this whole time. Or at least a first one. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, you got you got plans? I think I, I I I got stuff I can I got stuff I can do. Yeah. You know, not not a ton of plans, but doing stuff for Mother's Day? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I got some stuff going on for Mother's Day. I feel bad because my Mother's Day gift is going to get here the day after Mother's Day, but you know, it happens. It does. It, it, it do it, it do happen like that. It sometimes. do be do happen. So, I think that uh, unless you got anything else you want to say, Evan, I, I just I just want to say that uh, you know, we this this can be the start of a dialogue, guys. It, we want to know. You know, who who among our, our childhood heroes, the serial mascots, is really aligned with us politically and who may be oppositional. So if you think that we have erred in our yeah strictly objective assessments, you know, send us an email podcast. Yeah. Are, 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 are we are we getting these mascots wrong? Like, are you seeing something else in them that we aren't? Um, let us know because, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get some greater insights into the, the, you know, the, the voters of America. (laughs) I don't think we've tapped the bottom of this well yet, Joe. I think we're just beginning.
I think we have a 10 part series in us <laughs> with this. So we can extend it 10 more parts. Right. For sure. Next, next up, we're doing the cleaning supply mascots. You know, <laughs> we got, we got scrubbing bubbles. We got Mr. Clean. Yeah. Is Mr. Clean a top or a bottom? Good question. Good question. Homophobic question to be decided. <laughs> is that homophobic? I don't know. I, I hope not. If it is, I, I'm sorry. I just seemed like I, an innocent. You thing. know, I, I I think that's one of those things where it's like as, as two straight men, it's like, do we talk about that? Is it <laughs> is it like our place? Like it's not strictly homophobic, but like why why choose to talk about it? <laughs> Listeners, put me in my place if need be. I, I'm yeah, open to let it. us know. Let us know. Let us know where we've aired because we're just shooting blind, as you can tell. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed our rantings today. Um, I'm glad There's I didn't Supreme just... Court bit at the front. If you want to go back yeah. and listen to that again, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't just give up and say, "Up, oh, the podcast is over now." But um, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank Anthony Hish for music. But uh, my name's Joe Hicks. And mine's Evan Kelly. And we hope that you've been adequately informed and entertained. Yeah, new, new, new entertainment. New show name. Yeah, new domain. <laughs>